Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets. Each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. Today, we are talking about taking the shame out of our sexuality. And I asked my guest, Matt Elmer, uh, for his male perspective. So you're going to get a little bit of both sides here today, and I'm excited to share it. So let me tell you who Matt is. Um, One, he's uh, one of my business partners and friends, and he is a (laughs) serial entrepreneur who works with influencers and businesses who want to create professional online educational resources. He helped me with my online courses. He's been uh, fascinated with developing healthy wholeness in life by studying the roles of human psychology, neuroscience, quantum physics, and personal development principles in finding happiness. Matthew owns several businesses focused on expanding emotional intelligence in corporations and helping entrepreneurs attract the success they desire more naturally while maintaining their authentic selves. Um, And he just launched his own podcast with his wife and my friend, Molly, and it is called out of control. So um, make sure you go subscribe to that because you're going to find this conversation interesting. It's always interesting with Matt. So hello and welcome. Yeah, I'm glad to glad to be here. I, I feel like it's work, you know, we've been old friends now for quite a while. (laughs) Yes. And about this topic quite a bit. So I know behind the scenes, we're talking about this, right. And sometimes, uh, publicly, but never together publicly. And I, Molly does know we're having this conversation, so there's nothing weird happening here. Um, and we're really just, we want to have this conversation. My goal for this is for you as the listener to be curious. Um, sexuality is an uncomfortable topic for a lot of us, especially, um, Matt and I were both raised in a Christian rigid, maybe you could call it religions. And there's always some hangups, some, some of the stuff that gets stuck in us. And so that's been a lot of my work is to deconstruct the narratives in my own head and to also work through the trauma that I've had in my own sec- with my own sexuality. So let's just dive into this and let's right. get uncomfortable <laughs> or not. Right. It's not that uncomfortable. Um, well, what, okay. I tell people, what I tell people is um, people keep talking about getting out of their comfort zone, but uh, they live in their comfort zone and that's why they don't explore these things. And, mm. and so if they get, um, they're actually usually quite uncomfortable with their sexuality. Sorry. What I meant by it is, is they live in uncomfort. They are in discomfort around yes. their sexuality for much of their life. So it's not the discomfort that they need to get to. It's the unfamiliar. And so that's probably what we're going to have is an unfamiliar conversation. Here. I like it. See, you're good at just switching the verbiage. So it makes more sense. So I like it. And uh, Matt and I, before we started recording, we were both saying we continue to see things differently, unravel more pieces and layers to our own sexuality. So we're not stepping on here and saying, we figured it out. We are actually awesome. We're still doing this um, right along with you. So you might even be in your own curiosity and figuring out your own. So 
All right. Yeah, it's, like a direction. It's, it's more of like, okay, if I wanted to develop healthy sexuality, maybe I recognize my old models aren't serving me. So, so what's the direction healthy sexuality? How do I point myself to develop healthy sexuality versus me standing here as like some guy who has it all figured out and, and stuff. Totally. I'm just here to maybe share what, how I shifted my direction is, is okay. what I'd love to discuss. I love it. And so let me start off with this quote. It's from the New York therapist. And she said, we think, well, she shared it's from Tori Eleto. We think that a lack of sex in a relationship is solely a relational issue when often it's a disconnect to our intimate selves. And when I saw that it, it hit me because I most the listeners know I was in a 21 year relationship where yes, I brought some sexual trauma into my marriage and then more was put onto it. And I stayed stuck for a long time. And some of it made sense. Like, yeah, you're hurt. So protect yourself and, and, you know, kind of retreat inside of myself because it was scary. Sex was, um, almost like a painful physical and emotional thing. Okay. And this is something I see in, um, almost every woman I get to work with after betrayal. And so for me to stay in that place of kind of victim like, this isn't my fault. I'm not, I'm a prude. It's not my fault. I'm hurt. I withhold. It's not my fault. And so, um, I, I got into this recovery process for the betrayal and the sex thing was like, just kept, I kept pushing it away. Like I'm just going to do recovery stuff. And like, it's not that I wasn't having sex. It wasn't that I wasn't there were, I was definitely still having pleasure. It was that I was definitely not connected to myself and my body. I was not the sexual goddess that we are meant to be. I was withholding from myself and from my partner. And when I finally chose to step into that work, I remember going to uh, our business partner, Brandon, um, who's the therapist on the betrayed, the addicted and the expert. And I said, I'm super triggered by some of this information that I'm learning, like because of my trauma. Right. And he just kept pushing, like, just be curious, just sit in it, just keep going. And it, yeah. Like the phrase, it makes sense, Ashlyn, why you would be triggered, but just keep doing it. And so I sat in that and I, and I actually did, um, Jennifer Finlayson Fife, doctor, um, I did her online courses and I did them several times because it was like, first time was a little bit triggering for me. Second time was a little bit more like, oh man, there's a lot in here that I didn't, I wasn't aware of. And then the third time was like, okay, let's do this. And there's way more out there for me to go and to learn and educate myself on. So there's my little, yeah, I love her you'll, you'll probably hear a little bit of residue of her, her thoughts on a lot of what I say, because I, I continue, I, I was actually just yesterday listening to about three hours of podcasts from her. She has a podcast that's a subscription podcast that I subscribe to. And I love her thoughts around healthy sexuality. And it's been a really big contributor, both for me, better understanding my wife's journey as well as my own. And, and I actually, um, they are distinct and they have more similarities than I expected. Um, I think as men, you know, we're kind of exposed to pornography a little more consistently, especially in conservative culture. Like you're exposed to all more, especially in the generation we grew up in. Mm-hmm. And so 
um, you, you, you've, it, you kind of fool yourself into thinking, oh, I know what it's like to be sexual because I've, I've, I'm comfortable doing these things with mm-hmm. my wife or I'm comfortable engaging in these things or I've seen these things. And so, so we kind of get this framework that we think. And, and when you actually start to delve into like really trying to know your sexuality, you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't Thank know you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we as men, you know, are fooled into thinking we really have sexuality figured out. And we don't have it figured out either. And, and that's the fun, that's to me, the fun of the journey is that we both, you know, whatever side you're on, if you're more repressed or more active or whatever it may be, there, there's a journey for all of us that, mm-hmm. that sexuality gives us in, in becoming a whole person. And, and so that's why I'm really, I typically am a business guy, but I love talking about this topic because it, it, I actually think it actually empowers people to be more of themselves and, and bring that into whatever venture they're taking on in life for who they are as a father or anything else that I value or is important to me in sharing. So that's why I'm, I'm excited to have you know, this conversation with you. Amen. Um, and I love that you're bringing up the discussion is valuable to both. If you think you've got it figured out or not. Um, the book come as you are that go that has worksheets along with it. I recommend it every single month when I talk about sex on my, uh, social media, because it doesn't matter where you're at. You're still going to learn something, whether it's about your partner, about your own body, your partner's body, your like your sexual trauma you've brought in and maybe shoved down, but it's clearly affecting you. There's just, there's always an opportunity to, to learn. And I honestly, I talk about sex uh, every month for my anonymous q and I still learn things every month. And I'm like, how am I still learning things? Even if it's just empathy for someone who's got some question, right? So there's always room to grow. So can I just share some of, um, just some of the narratives, I guess, that I have kind of pinpointed that were keeping me in a place of stuckness and like I said, I continue to find these, these narratives and unravel them. So some of them, okay. Masturbation is bad. Genitals are dirty. Men want sex more coming fast is normal. Fluids are gross. Um, genitals are gross. Trying new things is naughty. Sex is enjoyable, mostly for men and only bad girls like sex. Virginity is a gift to your partner, especially if you're a woman. Um, You are ruined if you've had more than one partner. Porn normalizes everything. Penis to vagina sex is the only kind of real sex. And girls who want sex are bad girls. So, I mean, I sound so rigid. I was. (laughs) And go ahead. You are not, you're not alone. No. Yeah. You're, you're not alone. I mean, it's, 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 I I don't know how you come to very different conclusions than these things with Mm -hmm. a lot of the frameworks that were given in society. And and I think the challenge is, is that we feel like it's, it's an either, or, so it's either believe these things in this way or put yourself at grave risk, Mm. exposing yourself to premarital, you know, pregnancy potentials as a young person or uh, STDs and, and all sorts of things, right? Are, are there risks to sexuality? 100%. And, and I can talk about that. Um, we, we don't want to deny those things. 
um, that their sexuality is, is to me, it's still something special. It is mm -hmm. still something that, that is a unique opportunity in life that we, we ought to consider as such. Um, but, but we feel like the only way to protect ourselves, our children and others is to sort of perpetuate these things. Mm -hmm. And, and that, and, and, and in the end, we have a whole lot of people in this world who have very unhealthy, unhappy sexual lives. Yeah. It, it always blows my mind when people are following my little sex chat and they're like, I can, I'm so sorry that people believe these things. Cause I wasn't raised that way. And I'm like, man, you're like the 2% yeah, because it's even if you didn't grow up in a religion, a lot of us are taught fear yeah, to fear sex and to, or, okay. Another part of my world is okay. Maybe you've had an affair. And so sex has, has been this really harmful thing. And so to go back and try to make it beautiful again, feels wrong because it hurt you. Right. And so there's just a lot going on here. It doesn't matter religion or not, or where you grew up in the world. There's, there's some stuff to unpack for most of us. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I compare it to like driving a car, right? Like are there inherent risks to driving a car? Yeah. And we fact, you know, there's more deaths from car wrecks than, than, than most other things we do in life. And every single one of us has been in a car, you know, in the last month, quite a few times. Mm -hmm. And, and on one hand, and, and if you've been in a wreck, like, Ooh, like, you know, every time you get back in that situation, I mean, when I got hit, I was on my motorcycle one time, I got hit from behind. Um, and, and, you know, every time that I'm at a stoplight, I catch myself like occasionally like, Oh, I remember that moment. Right. And so, yeah, and especially, you know, yeah. Right. You, yeah. You've been there. Yeah. You've been there. And so sex can be the same way where, where is it true that, that being, you know, on a, uh, in a car has risk and, and could be damaging. Yes. And it can be exhilarating. It can be mm -hmm. fun. I mean, how many moments do we have, you know, blasting the radio, dancing with our family, our friends, there's <laughs> like, it, it can be all those things. And so it, it's not this either, or sex is not only dangerous and it, it can have things and aspects to it. And we can accept a whole perspective around sexuality, not a confined perspective that it can only be used for this pro procreation. And otherwise it's very dangerous and we should be really careful with it. And those mm -hmm. are extremes and most places, most, most religions don't teach th that extremity. Um, but I think it's definitely, you know, like, let's, let's have a, let's just get the whole perspective on the table. And so that's, that's to me what, as I started putting the whole perspective on the table, it, it allowed me to sit with my sexuality without the, I, I remember being on a therapist call and him asking me, what do you think about sex? And I just started bawling. Mm. It was all pain. It was all shame. It was all rejection. It was all of those things. And that was all sex meant to me. And it, and, and yet I had pleasurable sex. Like I, yeah. I enjoyed sex. I wanted sex. But, but everything about sex was pain, it was rejection, it was fear, it was shame, it was all of those things. And so, so that's why I went and that's why I still to this day, probably 20% of my studying and books that I read, and I read a lot of books, is about <laughs> sexuality, is because I'm, I'm, I'm in that journey of healing that part of me and accepting fully that part of me that I think is now fascinating, you know? Yeah. To freaking Lamborghini that I just didn't know I had access to. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. There's so many things I wish I could share, but it's just a little TMI, but, um, <laughs> I'm just going to say, let me just speak to one of my narratives that sex is, is always enjoyable, mostly for men. I'm sorry, but I would say the opposite now, <laughs> like 
somebody, what were we watching? We were watching a show and it said men, an orgasm for a men is like a guitar, uh, a guitar solo. And for a woman, it's a symphony. And it just blew my mind thinking I, I stayed in that narrow-minded thinking of it's this or it's that for most of my relationship, instead of being curious enough to say, where, where do I fit in, in this scenario and how can I enjoy sexuality more and show up more as me? And it's what you're saying of the more you learn and the more you find you, you can show up in, in different ways, more as you right. Like in all areas of life, not just sexually. I found that for me too. Yeah. And it's, that's like my sexual health has given me more emotional health and it's just, it's opened doors to friendships and different things, um, to go out with girlfriends and have those open conversations that I didn't really think people were having and now realizing how beautiful it can be. I mean, my friend texted me this morning, like, here's a better way for this type of thing. And I'm like, 8am getting texts about how to have better sex. Like I love my friendships and I never had that before. So, um, what, what, (laughs) what is sexual health and what it it isn't based on your experience, I guess, what would you say? When you sent your your list of thoughts that you've gone through, I was like, wow, we got to, we've got to start with a little bit of a framework here to really get into like fluids and, you know, math, math, math. <laughs> so I'll start with what, what I, and, and once again, these are just conclusions from, and I, I would say I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a sex therapist. I'm not a sexologist, but I would throw my hat in the ring with studying as much as any of them have in the last, uh, you know, two, three years. I, I I've read probably the 10,000 hours of experience yeah. Yeah, makes yeah. you an expert, right? Well, I don't have the experience of, of, of working with others and how, well, I, I say that other than friends and kind of talking with them, but, um, but, but in, in this journey, I would say these concepts are, I think, well-founded is, I guess, what I, they're working for me and, and so take them for what they're worth. But so, so I'll start with what, what I believe healthy sexuality isn't, and this will kind of frame some of the places where we often get messaging. So, so, it, and we can, we can come back to a few of these if we want to hit on some of them, but I'll, I'll just list, there's seven of them. So number one, healthy sexuality isn't avoiding the topic of sex in the name of purity or morality. Mm. Uh, and you do a great job with your Instagram on that. I love that you open up the ability for people to anonymously talk about that. Uh, number two, it isn't rejecting the pleasure one feels during sex as if it's evil or bad. Sexuality, yeah. Isn't shaming natural attractions or inclinations we may have that that oh, was the hard okay. one for me. Can you just say a little bit more? Cause as a man, I think that's different than for a woman. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, one of the studies I did with one of the sexologists that I studied was talking about the anthropological aspects of our lives, right? And so when you look at men, um, from a from a mammal and a and an animal side of things, not that we are animals only, but men were benefited by being sexually attracted to women who were more curvy, because mm-hmm. a curvier woman would be a more likely to sustain life back in the day. And so that created a natural attraction for men to be attracted to boobs and butts, like just put a blank, 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 uh, blanket statement there. So what that does is for me, 
my attraction to boobum butts for a long time was something I was ashamed of. Like I was like, Oh, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be looking at, I shouldn't notice that. Right. Totally. I mean, how many times the girls are like, Hey, look up here. Right. And it's, <laughs> and it's not that we don't have power to do that. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's when we start to accept that, okay. Anthropologically, I was, I was, that was in the name of making sure that our speech at man and woman wouldn't exist today if men didn't have that inclination and then, and then to mate with as many as possible to continue to make sure that their seed went on right now, women didn't have that. They had a, they had to be selective because they could only be pregnant with one. So they were more inclined towards men with potentially bigger shoulders, men that were mm physique wise able to live and last right and so as much as there is this world that we don't want to you know fat shame or or skinny shame you know men i was a skinny guy growing up you know we don't want a skinny shame or whatever there's a natural anthropological reason why we we tend to lean towards hmm. these sort of physiques that we like now that doesn't mean that that that's the only thing or even the most important thing but when we start to accept that from a sexual point we start to say oh i can appreciate that woman has a nice physique i can appreciate that and maybe even feel a little energy energetic response i remember being in a in a gym after i started studying this and and it was it was almost like it was like you know uh, this this sort of opportunity to exercise this mm -hmm. and and i'm working out and I swear, like, you know, four amazingly attractive women. Now, my wife's over here working out. And my wife is attractive. I'm blessed to have She's a very super hot, <laughs> super hot wife. Right. Um, but 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 I'm I'm still naturally attracted to yeah. men that look attractive. Right. So so I'm standing there and and one woman's bent over, you know, doing her thing and other. And and I and as a man, you feel an energetic response to that. Mm -hmm. What you do with that energy is what I didn't understand before. And what yeah. I did was I allowed that energy not, I didn't reject the energy. I allowed the energy to sit with me and, and appreciate it. Wow. I have this side of the sexual energy and attraction in me that I could now take and share with my wife at a moment that was appropriate to her. And, and, and instead of rejecting that energy or pushing away, it, uh, it actually empowers a man to be more masculine to be more powerful, to be more confident in his life. When we're rejecting it, it's it, we're actually creating a bunch of self-confidence issues where we're saying, oh, 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 that's bad that I felt that way. Oh, that's bad that I'm attracted. No, it's not. It's, not it's, it's incredibly natural to have those things. Now, that is incredibly hard for women to understand because we want to own our spouses. We are so inclined to want to own their their vision, their intention. We want to own everything. We want to control everything about them. And, and I would suggest that that is actually as much of an unhealthy sexual way of seeing things as, as it is for a man to be attracted to or, or, or you know, letting that um, energy, either repressing that energy, or obviously there is the opposite as well, where if I had started engaging with those women, flirting with those women, yes. or, or sort of taking crossing lines that are outside of the boundaries of my relationship, to me, that's also unhealthy, right? So I'm not suggesting that, that we feel that and we go on acting on those situations all the time. Now, if I was single, that, that would be appropriate, that would be yeah. healthy. Now, how I do that can be done. And we'll, and we'll talk about that again. More appropriate. Okay. okay. Can I just say one thing? I remember yeah. you saying a same gym situation and I love everything you said. It's more about where you're going with it. And I remember you saying when I was in that place where I was like going with it, it was 
not a place still of shame for you, but a place for you to go. I need to go home and talk to my wife because there must be a disconnect in my relationship that I'm finding space to go there in lust or whatever it was with someone yes. else. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. It is a signal, right? It's, it's a messaging system. If, if I can take the energy and, and hold it and carry it and then take it to my wife, that's positive. That's good. That's a good sign. If I'm finding myself wanting to kind of fantasize or mm. take that, that woman's body and, 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 and go somewhere with it, mm, that's a signal. So yeah. you said it perfectly. Yeah. It's, it starts and, and Go ahead. It's a value, right? But, but so either way, it's a value. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's a valuable thing that's teaching us how this thing called sec our sexuality works. So yes. that, that's and a cool thing. I will say, yes, culture has taught me or society that boobs and butts are the thing. So even as a woman, I remember, and I've told this before, I met with uh, one of the trainers that um, I do beach body and I met with her in real life. And she has a large and beautiful chest. And so by world standards, like she's got it right. So I'm meeting her one-on-one -on -one, and then where's the first place I'm staring at her. <laughs> I'm staring right at her boobs. And so I just owned it. I'm, I'm so sorry. I am just staring at your boobs, but they're great. They look great. And she just laughed about it. But I was like, okay, I'm a, that was my aha moment. That was, I don't know, seven years ago for me to say, I'm a woman who's not even attracted to other women and I can't help, but look, and I can't help, but I'm human. So why on earth am I expecting my partner to not look? He's human. I'm, I'm doing the same thing. It's just right. that I'm not going to fantasy. So I love that. We're all attracted to be, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I am highly heterosexual. I, I have friends. In fact, we've had an awesome conversation. I've got a friend that is very homosexual. I have bisexual friends. So, but, but I, I love the conversations and how we relate. And it's interesting that, yeah, like beauty is still like yeah. something we all are like, oh, that's, you know, whether it's a mountain or a, or a human, we all like want to look like a really cool building or a flashy something like we're all just naturally drawn to these things. And, and so it's okay. It, there, there's reason. Now, once again, how long you spend in that space and where you take that that's within yourself. And, and once again, if you can see that as a signal versus mm -hmm. something to shame yourself about to me is, is really, really empowering. Um, okay. I'll go, I'll go on to the next one. The next, what healthy sexuality isn't, it isn't entitlement to anything and everything sexual at any time, regardless of whatever relationship we are in. Right. So that's, that's where betrayal and things start to cross lines. Mm -hmm. uh, it isn't controlling others through requiring sex or withdrawing sex. Yes. Both sides. And that's, yeah. It's both sides. It isn't suppressing certain behaviors that seem interesting or fun. Um, but what, uh, because we're worried that they are taboo. Yes. Okay. Okay. Which is a challenging one. I'm going to just say this. Okay. So I started to go into, I started learning about fantasy as I started to do my own stuff. And I think, I don't even know what I fantasized about because I just pushed it down so far. Like that is bad. And fantasy must mean I'm lusting. So I don't want to lust after others. So just shut it all down. Right. And so when I started to be curious and think, I don't even know what my fantasies are. What are some of the things I would like to, what are my bucket list items or what could turn me on? Um, if you've watched sex, love and goop, uh, on Netflix, mm -hmm. that was so fascinating to me to do that sexual blueprint or erotic blueprint and see that there's parts of me 
that I had pushed down that were beautiful, that helped me unlock me. Um, coming from my world of betrayal, that's hard for a lot of women to be open to. I get it. I was one for so long. Fantasy equals naughty. It's bad. It's going to make you have an affair. It's blah, blah, blah. When that's not true. And truthfully, there's a lot of things that I may want and desire that I don't actually need to do or ever do. Yeah. But it's part of and my template. Yeah. And there's different, there's a difference between fantasizing with about something and potentially physically acting that thing out outside of your bedroom. You, you and your partner can fantasize about something that maybe is intriguing. And ideally, it's mm -hmm. universal, it's agreeably intriguing. And, um, and I think there's things that are like partners have where like maybe she's really in, has an idea that would be really intriguing. And maybe he's like, well, I don't know that I'd ever want to do that in real life, but I'm okay with engaging in you, you kind of experiencing that, whether I'm talking you through that kind of experience or you're listening to something that is that kind of experience. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's really cool. I, I, um, it's, it's cool to, to allow your spouse to know you are 100% comfortable with them and that aspect of them that they've been hiding from the world. Yes. Like Thank that you. level of trust <laughs> is huge in a relationship. Which it's bonkers, Matt, because you think let's get naked and have sex, but talking about it, whoa, hold up. I don't want to, but you can see me naked. Like it just seems so weird, but I was that weirdo who would actually go and be naked, but not want to talk about it. And in fact, it was causing fights. And yeah. so the idea of opening it, um, there's actually, if you know sex with Emily, she has a, if you, I think if you just Google sex with Emily, yes, no, maybe she has this free download where it's just a printout of all these sexual things. And you can go through with your partner and do a yes, no, maybe. And I did this even while dating. Mm -hmm. And it was fascinating to see that even the maybes and then to have a, a conversation about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's things in my relationship, my wife's a no on and I'm a yes on, but even just knowing that she knows it yeah. is so much like more. And she's not connected. shutting you down. Yeah. Then, then, then feeling like I can't share this side of me. Right. And so, and that's okay. And, and then there's been some things that she was more of a no on early in our marriage that she's a total yes on today. Right. So, so it's also okay to, to, to do that for where I'm at today. And that's, I like, I'm glad that it has a yes, no, and a maybe, right. Yeah. Like, like may, and a lot of it maybe, maybe. Right. And so you, <laughs> I, I think I, maybe it was sex with Emily that said this or another one of the podcasts where they said, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a try it once. And then if you don't like it, don't ever do it. Like sometimes it may take a couple of times to, yes. to try something out. And I think it's good to, to really let yourself like, okay. And, and then maybe if it's a no, why is it a no? Is it, is it a no because of program or is it a no because it's a no, right? And, and maybe it's a no because it's a no and, and yes. that's okay. That's totally so fine. because the no may come from your core value, which yeah, for a absolutely. lot of my no's, that's where it's coming from. But I yeah. had way more yeses. I was kind of shocked. Like I've changed a lot. Yeah. And I'm, it's the whole, I'm okay changing my mind, just like you were mentioning with your wife. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Last one of the sexual, sexual, um, uh, behaviors is it's, it's most definitely isn't proclaiming sexual acts to be horrible. 
and then and wrong then cl behind closed doors fighting a battle of compulsion abuses of self or others or ruminations and so forth mm. Wh which is where we we see so much of that give me one second i'm gonna turn down the sound on my my alarm so i'm not continuing to beep in the background here so um all right so so that's to me where we start we start by by looking at what sexually has been and how that's not working for us mm -hmm. and a lot of that sometimes relates to god and so i always like what brandon said if your god is not serving you maybe it's time to fire your god and hire <laughs> a new one right and so if your God is telling you that masturbation is horrible and you're a horrible person for, for taking some moments, do you realize that's, that's the same God that, especially as women that created a part of your body that has no other purpose other than pleasure, right? That, that's, so what was, was it, was that just a, he was just trying to figure out how strong you can be. Like, is that the kind of God you believe in? It's like, I'm going to give you something that's going to feel really good and you can't touch it. Right. That's like a God telling a kid. Don't look at like, it either. Yeah. Do you believe in a God? Yeah. Don't look at it. either. Yeah. Do you believe in a God that basically places candy in front of children and then just tells them to sit there, look at it, you know, their whole lives and, and, and never touch it. Like, is that the kind of God you believe in? Yeah. And I know that sounds maybe challenging if, if you really believe your God told you that these things are bad, but to me, I think there's room for a God who loves us completely and wants mm -hmm. us to feel pleasure. Um, well, and I, I love how you, and we just did a parenting episode that I'm sure will come out before this, but that you talked about, like you, the way you teach your kids, it's just, it's beautiful to me because it's not saying, okay, masturbation's out there, go do it. It's like, right. let's still have some healthy boundaries around why maybe we're not doing it all day, every day, or to cope with feeling alone or sad or stressed. Like there's, we're just still having framework around things. We're not just saying fire your God and go do it. But for me, it's taken me a long time to get to a place where I'm like, this is where I'm at with masturbation. And for me, it's really beautiful to see the women that I get to work with who have been betrayed. They've been so hurt. And a lot of it includes their partner secretly using masturbation as this escape and disconnect from their partner. And so for me to see women in group who some of them are still in that place, whereas others are like, no, we have this boundary where we're currently not having sex together, but we are both allowed or given permission and verbal agreements that masturbation is out there. Like pleasure's not off the table. We're just not doing it with each other. Or, you know, there's just so many different scenarios. They can be on the same group. These women who have very different beliefs and around that topic, but they still right. love each other, connect, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think there's two concepts I think are, were really eye-opening for me. One, one was the idea that there's my sexuality, there's her sexuality, mm -hmm. and then there's our sexuality. Okay, so first by breaking that down, it starts to then, add, it opens up some more questions, right? It, okay, so what is my sexuality? Mm -hmm. And is masturbation our sexuality or my sexuality? Mm -hmm. Is her masturbation our sexuality or my sexuality? And so, so that starts to create a, a better dialogue and framework. And I, I remember, you know, the transition conversation. I remember exactly oh, where I you, was. It, yeah. yeah, that transition <laughs> So do I. Because <laughs> well, we were like, like, I don't know. I don't know. This scares me, Matt. Don't talk about it. Yeah, right. And so it's like, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm not asking you 
to to grant me the ability to go and be with them other women i'm just saying my sexuality and, and what, what what's interesting is, is the second part of this conversation is one of the most challenging things in relationships is mismatched libidos or sex drives or whatever now there's a lot to that there's there's a there can be a biological side for sure and there's a lot of emotional and psychological side to that right so so is where is the mismatch at and how much of it is related on both sides like right you can have a a, a person who has a high sex drive, but a lot of it is because they don't have, they have no capacity to manage emotion through anything other than sex. And so it's really compulsion that's causing them to be in sex in, in their sexuality, right? Whereas more, a more healthy version of them is they may still desire sex and, and more than their spouse, but it, it's not a compulsion for mm -hmm. them to be stuck in. And that's why I'm not a huge fan of, of the name sexual addiction. I really prefer sexual compulsion because the, the compulsion model says, yes, sexuality can move towards a, a more addictive model, but, but just saying someone has a lot of, cause it, okay, where's, where's the line. It, it, okay. If I have sex three times a day, am I a sexual addict? What if my spouse is totally cool with that? Is, is am I a sexual addict? Well, no, in that case, like we're, we're both on board. It, you know, so where, where is that? So, so where's our ability to use our sexuality, which, which leads into like the, the seven components of, of healthy sexuality, right? So, so the first component is I appreciate both my body's sexual form and its unique ability as a body part. So what, what if we like, had, like, what if we were like, you know what, my left hand, I really can do everything I need to do with my right hand. My left hand really, I, I just don't think I should use it right? Like God doesn't want me to use my left hand for some reason, even though it makes life a little easier and pleasurable because I can now lift things with two hands versus one. I'm only going to use my right hand. Like how many of us have spent our whole lives taking one of our appendages and saying yeah. that, you know, that only has one purpose at one point in time, instead of accepting the wholeness of the body and saying, yes, it has a creative power and and, and, and once again, my reference for pleasure comes from, well, it's, you know, if, if you get this opportunity, then I should get it too, is that women have a spot on their body that, yes, has more nerve rings than a man's penis and, and is larger, is, is actually larger in, in size when you take the whole, uh, what it encompasses generally uh, than a man's uh, penis in square inches, right? So, so you actually have the, the clitoris is an amazing part of the woman's body and that God gave them. And so to, to, to leverage that, the opportunity that that can give them to me says, God had something figured out when he gave you that. Well, maybe he also, though we don't have a separate appendage, you know, for, for different things that we do, maybe there's a reason why God's okay with a little bit of pleasure. Maybe he recognizes that there's some value there. So, so that's the first part is a healthy sexuality starts with acknowledging and appreciating the form. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to uh, talk about before I move on to the next one there. Yeah, I mean, most of the women that I see, and including myself, it is mind-boggling how many of us were told not to look and not to touch. And then to have a sexual relationship and not know how to actually feel pleasure. When your partner says, I want you to experience what I'm feeling, and you don't know what that even means. Yeah. And you know, toys are great. That's awesome. But for a woman to understand her body enough to feel pleasure without a toy, to me is ultra connecting. 
to mm-hmm. self. Yeah. Not like I'm a go get your toys, do whatever you want. I don't care what you're doing in your room or wherever you're doing it, but there is power in connecting to your own body. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's even been an interesting, you know, journey as a man to try to figure that out. Like, like even, I mean, even though I, I had conversations with my wife around, Hey, my sexuality, I want to be my sexuality now that there's still like, I got her on board way before I got my own self on board with that being okay. And, and, and first I felt like I had to like, you know, make sure that was cool. And then I was like, okay, now I can like go have, and it's been years of conversation with being okay with, with that. So um, I, now I think there's some, some keys here to, to maximize the healthy sexuality. So, so one is that appreciation for the capacity that we have for pleasure, as well as the power of creation. Second is I use my sexuality for connection with self and significant others, right? So that's a little bit what we're talking about. I don't use my sexuality as entitlement for abuse, um, whether it's a man claiming, hey, you married me, you should have sex with me, and or saying, well, I like this, so you should just put up with it and endure it. N- none of those things are healthy sexuality. I don't use my sexuality for control is another key framework. And I think we, this is a hard one to ask. Where am I using? And it happens once again on both sides, both the re, when we reject sexuality or push away our partner, we, we often are trying to control something. Maybe we're trying to control having to step into something that's unfamiliar, uncomfortable. Maybe we're stepping, maybe we're, we're having to step into our own intimacy. Maybe we're having to step into being seen and being known, really. Like we're so good at not being seen or known. And so all of the, all of these things are just control functions to try to stop us from, from having to face things in our life that will actually open us to a better experience of life. So okay, sexuality. Have, yeah, go for I it. I have to speak to that because, oh my gosh, um, just so many of the women in my life are relating to this idea that for me to be seen by a man dancing is incredibly vulnerable for me. It didn't always, it used to be that way. But as I've really been curious and pinpointed it, it is that. And so whether I am dressed or I am not, dancing is vulnerable. And I have a lot of reasons about why that is so, that is so that I've been working on in therapy. Um, But for me, I'm having these conversations with friends and we're having these experiences where we're trying to be more brave and, and show up and see ourselves number one. And so I have lots of friends who are, okay, when I work out, I dance, I dance in between. And it's not dance like, woohoo, it's it's sensually dance in front of the mirror and watch myself. And for me, like what you're saying right there, I am seeing these women who one specifically said, I was having this moment where it took me three songs to get to a place where I could just watch myself sensually moving she's not doing anything else she's just dancing in front of a mirror but it's sensual she's been told that's bad and all the things she's it took her three songs before she said if my partner walked in right now I wouldn't be embarrassed in fact he would be lucky to see what a beautiful goddess I am like she started to own it instead of like where we're at we're just like I hope no one walks in because I'm gonna do this weird dance you know it's beautiful but I'm still working on it (laughs) 
Well, I, I, I was at a Tony Robbins event and it was really interesting. He did a feminine versus masculine energy and, and he brought all the women up on stage and just to speak to this dancing thing that I think is, is fascinating. And basically he, he, he's used like around it. He's like, okay, what I want, we're gonna have women dance and um, whichever one, which what I want you to do is men is I want you to say which woman you find most uh, like turning you on the most. Right. And, um, and it, it wasn't, this is obviously a sexual conversation. He does a great job of balancing this in his event. Like, it's not like this weird thing. So these women are dancing and, and some of them are over there, like doing their twerking thing. And interestingly, as much as that's like portrayed as like the, the super sexual thing, it's not like that men, like masculine energy, what they're looking for is it, so, so masculine energy has in my mind, three main premises. One, one is centeredness. Two is observation and three is direction or, yeah. or intention is maybe a better word for that. So, so if you want a very, very masculine man in your life, and, and therefore you want to be open to your feminine, allowing them to sit in centeredness, observation, and, in, and directed intention is, is like the culmination of their masculinity, right? And so that's why the feminine flow where, where a woman taking in the energy around them and flowing, it pulls us into that masculine state. Otherwise we we're moving, we're doing the actions because we're like, we, we step into feminine because we're not experiencing feminine, just like women who don't have a masculine man in their life, step into their masculine a lot of times to offset that energy, those energies. And we all have both feminine and masculine energy, but, but sometimes we've been, sort of playing in, a, in, in an energy that's not as natural to us. And I'm not, and, and there's men that are very feminine and that's wonderful. I've got some friends that are, that's, that if that's what they want, if they feel most resonating with that, that's great. It's not about a, 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 a sexual, a, a gender or, or a, it's about an energy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, yes, when, when women, when, when women are willing, I, I can tell you, and, and, you know, we've been at things and, and, you know, at, you know, shows or whatever. And, and there were women that, Physically, I might have been okay. I'm not physically attracted to that woman, but the way she moved her body, I was like, wow, that is attractive. Like she, you know, she, she, she is attractive because of that confidence and that flow, that feminine essence that she showed basically melted. So if you, if you are a woman who you feel like your body isn't perfect, but you're willing to, to challenge yourself into that. And, may, and I love that it may take three songs, right? Yeah. Or, or five or 20. It might take 100. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but if, if what you're wanting and if you're willing to sit and, and, and relax into maybe the reason why you're spending so much time in control in your life and you're spending so much time trying to make everything perfect in your life and that perfectionism that you're, that you are so challenged by and you get so appreciated about yourself, like you love how it brings you organization and cleanliness in your life, but then it also creates this sort of this, this irritation in your soul. That mm -hmm. irritation to me is a message that says you're longing to step into your feminine more and just feel life instead of masculinely controlling it. But, and so it, it can go either way. Either the man has to work on his masculinity and draw the feminine out or the feminine has to draw the masculine out. I actually think it's easier for the latter, but I don't, I don't sit in that in my relationship. My job is to deal with me in my relationship, right? I mean, I, I shouldn't say it all the time. There's times behind where I'm a little pity party boy. Like I wish my wife would step into her, her femininity, right? But, but that, what I've learned is that that's just, I'm, I'm giving up my control in that moment. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, 
up to her whether or not we have a polarity in our relationship and that's not fair to her and so yeah. i would invite everybody to say hey whether you if whatever one your partners whatever your relationship is are you stepping into the polarity that you want to draw um for yourself so uh, i love these conversations so, so i'll get through these three last ones i know we've got a longer here so uh sexual uh, release can become compulsion and can create disconnection rather than connection with self and others so we do have to recognize that so healthy sexuality allows us to recognize that there is a possibility for compulsion so are we also exercising are we also journaling are we also meditating are we also finding other ways to deal with the stresses in our life uh, sexuality can relieve stress, but it shouldn't be our only mechanism for relieving stress. And in fact, it becomes, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if we only use the right arm, then the yeah. left arm becomes really weak. Right. And so, so to have a whole life, a whole, whole experience of life, we, we need to be using more than just our sexuality to deal with those emotional challenges. Um, number six, I'm accountable for my sexual activity. I am aware of the consequences of using my sexuality without protection, and I make decisions with it honoring those consequences. Mm. And then to me, the great premise that I didn't realize before is that healthy sexuality and deep sexuality doesn't just connect us to self and our partner, it actually connects us to God. Mm. And it, it, it sends this deep message, and it's why we seek orgasm it sends this deep message that we have a good God. He is good or she is good or it is good and wants us to experience deep pleasure. And that to me is, is, is connecting to God. It's a, it's a really, really powerful place to be. So, so those are my premises for what, where I'm at with healthy sexuality and, and where my, what my journey is moving towards, I guess, in, in, in trying to develop healthy sexuality. Oh man, I love it all. And I really, we've been, we've been around the world with this conversation today, but I hope if you feel triggered, if you are scared, like you've said, it's a signal, it's data. And so for me, years ago, having these conversations with you and with, you know, Brandon and my former partner, Kobe, it was uncomfortable. Those were signals to me, like, come on, Ashlyn, it's time to figure things out. So for me, um, we've done episodes on, um, a sex fast. I don't know that we ever did one on a sex feast, but in the book, come as you are, she talks about this, like, Hey, let's, let's like have a reset. I think she calls it a sex reset instead of a, um, fast, which I like that better because it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're causing this. Like we have to do a sex fast or reset, whatever. It's like, no, let's do this together. Let's, we both have some maybe narratives. We both have some traumas. Maybe we've given trauma to each other. And so to be able to say, I want something different with my sexual health, starting today, I'm going to go to my partner and say, I want to have a hard conversation. It's uncomfortable for me. But I would love to be able to talk more regularly. Like you mentioned, for years, you've had a conversation that's ongoing. Mm. And think of all the, you know, I was once one of them, a couple who, who never had the conversation. And when we did, it was a fight. And I, oh, felt, yeah. I felt less than, not enough. I felt bullied. Um, I was a prude. I was so many things. It didn't 
facilitate me to want change. When in reality, I was, I needed change. I wanted it. I didn't want to have these uncomfortable conversations. I wanted them to be comfortable enough that I was feeling like I could be me and that he felt safe enough to share with me, right? We both could feel that safety to give and to, to receive. So have the conversations. If you need a reset, do a reset, have some, like, take the test. There's all these tests we can take online. Some of them are the erotic blueprint test. I mean, you can pay for the full version or you can do it for free. Um, understanding yourself is so beautiful doing the yes, no, maybe reading come as you are as a couple. There's just so many different things that we can do that don't require even to go to a therapist, but some, yeah, like I've done a lot of trauma reprocessing on like real traumas in my life that have caused me to be where I'm at. Yeah. Um, Well, I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that that maybe I'd leave with is, is some questions. Um, and maybe this is, is more geared towards men, but, but I think it also can apply to women when they're, when they're looking at where they're at. Um, some, some questions to ask about your, you know, whether this behavior that you're questioning or you're worried about or, or your thought process around sex is. So, you know, and I think when you start with this framework, it, it, it empowers you can say, okay, if, if these are all no's, then maybe, maybe and, and I'm still uncomfortable then, then this is probably about work to be done. So, so is this stop, if, is engaging in this behavior stopping me from living a normal, meaningful, productive life? If it's, if it's not, okay, we're, we're, on, we're, we're probably okay right there. Is this behavior intentionally hurting someone else? And intentionally is really important because sometimes in relationships, someone takes something as hurting them that, that, that's not really the intention. And so that, that leads to the third question, which is, am I hiding a part of my sexual behavior from my spouse or significant other? If, if that's a no, wonderful. Many of us, that's a yes. And so, so what that leads to is, well, then, there, then there's a conversation about my sexuality, our sexuality, and her sexuality, in, in the case of a man or his sexuality. Um, uh, and so our, having that discussion, getting away from the hiding is so important. And it's, it's, it can be unfamiliar, it can be uncomfortable, but it's so important. And then the last thing is the behavior of compulsion and my only way of handling stresses in life. If it's not a compulsion, if you're not hiding, if you're not intentionally hurting someone and it's not stopping you from living your life, then, then is it truly something that's wrong or that is that old programming? And when I started to ask those questions over and over, I started to figure out where, where my opportunities were to explore to understand, to, it became also a safe place to talk with my wife when we kind of both agreed with those constructs. Now we could have the healthy sexual conversations easier because, okay, we're only going to talk about things that are not these things, right? I'm not going to ask you to deal with something that's going to cause you pain. I'm not asking you for, you know, freedom to be unfaithful to you. I'm asking for more that, and I, and I also need to ask, and, and you talked about how, the, the side of you that felt like, you know, you were approved, you were you know wrong for your, your maybe inhibitions. I felt the side of the man where I felt pre- like I was pressuring my wife, even at sometimes feeling like I was bullying my wife, like, because I didn't know, I didn't, 
understand how to converse about this thing. Yeah. And all I knew is like, I wanted more of this thing, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. And, but, it but before you can have the healthy conversation, you got to spend the time building your own relationship with your sexuality. And, and when you start to do that, it becomes much easier and much more natural to, to how to get someone, especially someone who's uncomfortable having those conversations or feel pressure around it to starting to open up. And a lot of times it starts with, Hey, I want to be really open with you. These are some things that are uncomfortable for me to say vulnerable, but I trust you can handle them. Mm -hmm. I trust you're, I'm not going to overfunction for you anymore. I trust you can hear them from me. And, and frankly, if it, if it's a break call, if my fantasies or my way of being are something you can't live with, maybe, maybe I should for you to be with someone whose fantasies you can live with. Um, someone said to me the other day, true love is built in a way that your, um, what was the word she used? That your scariest parts are not scary to them. Mm. And I just thought that was really, you know, th there are people out there who can see your scary parts and, and it's no big deal to them. And so yeah. we got to get we got to give those we love a chance to see those parts of us. So. Totally. I want to show up as me 100%. And I'm in a different spot where I'm dating and to be able to, here I am, this is me. And to have those conversations, like I'm, I have a redo, like, let me try this the, a way that is feels safe and healthy and I won't make assumptions. Let's talk about it. Um, and to listen just to hear point of views and how different we can look at one thing to me is not as like it used to be a scary thing uh oh we don't agree uh oh yeah. we're not online whereas now I look at it and it's like that's fascinating we think so different let's talk yeah. more about that so yeah. um I would suggest if you are like where we've been and, and not having the open conversations start with this podcast go listen to it with your partner and say this is where we're going to start is we're just going to see that we're not alone. A lot of people aren't talking about sex and we're having sex, or maybe we're not talking about it and we're not having it either way. We can do something different. If that's what you want, if you're totally okay, not both of you in your partnership are not having sex and you're okay with that more power to you, but there's usually one that is not okay with where we're at. Right. And when I do a poll, the first poll I do in my every month sex Q&A is, are you satisfied with your current sexual, you know, health? It's usually leaning towards no. Most people are not currently satisfied. Yeah. But are we talking about it? Yeah. So there we go. Are we doing awesome. something? So thank you for having this conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I hope listeners are being curious. Maybe they're feeling yeah. awesome. I don't know. <laughs> well, I hope they I hope they got something. And I do think these are the foundations to take some of those things. We didn't talk about those those challenges or concerns that you have. But when we start with the healthy, then we can then we can question ourselves. Why is it that like mm -hmm. I think this is that or this is that? But I really appreciate you having me on here. And mm -hmm. if I can just help one other man to feel a little more comfortable with his sexuality and and how that can help unlock his spouse's sexuality, which is yeah. really kind of fun when you get to participate in, in, you know, that, um, I think that that's a beautiful, that's what relationships are all about. And it's, it, to me, it's, that's empowering for every aspect of their life. So thanks for having the conversation with me. Appreciate it. You bet. All right. Thank you, Matt. All right. Bye. 
Thanks for being here with me today, whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes, or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.